0: Good morning. Welcome to Rimrock Church. Such a beautiful day today, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus. And God, we pray for moisture, right? Even though the snow is a little inconvenient, we need moisture, Lord, so bring that on. But for today, for today we're just going to enjoy the sun and maybe go out and ride our mountain bikes, whatever, whatever you like to do. We've been going through the book of Judges, and this song is the perfect song for that. It goes like this. All right, let's sing. Come on. You are not flesh and bone. You're not slow you're everything brave and bold you're fighting for us and you are not distant or cold your heart's not angry or cold and even in ways we don't know you fiercely defend us till we stand to live it. God is fighting for us, just like through the book of Judges. i sing that chorus one more time as a prayer to him say Not as good. My brother from another mother. You guys may be seated. We have Eduardo here. Are we doing something different? Who's doing the announcements? Here it is. Oh yeah. Andrew Vick.
1: Well, good morning. My name is Andrew Vig, as Tom mentioned, and I have the privilege of inviting Eduardo here and letting him share. First, I just want to welcome you. Uh, If you're new to Rimrock, um, there is a card in your seat in front of you that you can fill out and drop by the Welcome Center for a gift, so I'm told. Um, Also, there's a special congregational meeting on March 6th, and that is in the bulletin. just a little bit about increasing ministry, and Eduardo, Rimrock has been involved with uh, this ministry for, I don't know, 15, 17 years, quite a while. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's, it's been a real blessing for many of us that have been, had the privilege of going down uh, and just uh, growing our faith and our walk, understanding what God has in mind for us, and just in friendships. And so... <laughs> so anyway, um, we're, we're we're coming on to a new uh, opportunity with Encrasey. Last fall, when Eduardo was up, we we, we met and talked about uh, what's next. And in 2022, and one of the things that was uh, talked about was entering into an aquaponics project with Encrasey as a tent making a ministry outreach. And, and that has grown over the last six months. And uh, I can only say God just keeps opening doors. So um, I want to give op- Eduardo an t- opportunity to explain a little about Increase and um, what, uh, how that fits in with um, this.
2: Oh. <clears throat> Buenos dias. <laughs> I was thinking he was translating for me. Uh, it's a, always like a privilege and a blessing to be with family and friends, uh, like I always, and I rejoice in. Briefly, I want to think, say thank you to you, first of all, for all the support and blessings that you are being in the process with Juan's family, because uh, I think without your prayers and all your care will be hard for us, and all, all are so appreciative and thankful for your generosity from your heart in every way. Thank you, and God bless you mightily. And keep praying for us. I think there's still some hills to overcome, but I think we can do it with him and with us through the Holy Spirit together. Thank you. And relate with... What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> relate with the aquaponic ministry. Uh, for us, is the uh, I think is a. A new adventure that I can see God is open doors. It's not us trying to do something. In the beginning, we was considering this to provide and put food in the table. But much more than that, like God always extend our horizon and open our eyes. And what we see is a great way to come alongside, uh, to can't, we can share the gospel with the people, because will be relevant to the community, will be relevant for pastors in different rural areas, and at the same time, not only for increasing. And that is really a great joy because again, we can see in a clear way, God opened doors and ways that we was not expecting. Just, uh, I think they can explain that better than me.
1: So, um, over the last few months we've been meeting and, and it's oh, it's really interesting how God has opened doors. Uh, we um, have had a conversation with YWAM down in Colorado Springs. They have a quite a aquaponics program there. Um, and then uh, um, through uh, people here in our congregation we uh, were exposed that WDT here in town has quite a aquaponics program. And, and so through this, we have been visiting with both YWAM, WDT, and how that can fit in with what uh, we believe INCRACY wants to uh, how the, wants to be part of this. And it's just amazing how it just comes to get, has came together with not um, with a lot of enthusiasm, but also a lot of expertise in these fields so we're not having to reinvent the wheel as we go forward with this we're not just taking a set of plans and saying okay well they say to do this i mean they're they want to be uh involved on the ground uh in costa rica helping us with this so um i guess the thing i want to say is tonight we have uh an informational meeting at the exchange at five o'clock we're going to have some pizza and just have a chance to go into this a little deeper have a better understanding of of what is involved. Uh, a few opportunities for us is uh, in helping to construct the greenhouse and with uh, some of the uh, uh, the aquaponics the, the the equipment and and so we're looking first at a, probably a father son team going down the end of May maybe first part of June depending on some uh, schedules, Um, and then after that there will be more opportunity, whether it be for people in the trades, and also with uh, uh, setting up the actual aquaponics system, which we believe the folks from WDT are going to be very involved with that part. So it's just really cool to see how this is coming together, and, and we're just trying to be obedient and follow along. So, uh, right now i 'd just like to uh invite you to come down tonight if you if you have time, have a little pizza and if nothing else we 'll laugh a little and right now i 'd like to pray F- Father God in heaven i just i uh, praise you and i uh, just uh seek you as we move forward with in and uh, the ministry that uh they 're leading and um lord uh just just be with us each step of the way. Let it be about you, not about what we think, but uh, what you want. And Lord, now I just pray you'd be with Ben as he comes up in in a bit, and just uh, guide us and let open our minds and our hearts to you. Amen.
0: Amen. My brother and my wife, and uh, we had the privilege of being there a few weeks ago, and Planting a bunch of plants for Eduardo on his property there where the aquaponics facility is going to be built. We had a great time. It was wonderful. chase you down I dare you to believe how much I love you now don't be afraid I am your strength we'll be walking on the water dancing on You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways to Well a thousand stories. To you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved
3: by
0: who I am, to who I am, to who I am. God, give us the grace, the faith to believe that we're loved by. Father has been, comes up to deliver your words. God, we need to hear from you. And we thank you that you have already won this battle for eternity that we're in. But right now, we're in the midst of it, God, where computers break down and uh, the enemy wars against us, hearing from you. Wars against us, being released in praise and worship. And God, we just want to break free of His unsettling effect, and just be able to hear you right now, God. So would you speak, God? Holy Spirit, fall on our ears, on our minds. We know that you live in within us, God. But we also know that somehow you can fall among us to make Your presence so obvious. Do that now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
4: Well, good morning. God is good. He is good. And uh, we know He's good because God demonstrated His love to us in this that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's good news. <laughs> that is how we know God is good. He laid down His life for us. Wow. Pray that that truth would settle in each of our hearts and as we remember that together this morning. It's so encouraging to be together. I'm encouraged by your presence here, and uh, I pray that you're encouraged as you gather with the body of Christ. We're uh, continuing in our series in the book of Judges, and uh, we're going to be looking at Deborah this morning in Judges chapter 4 and 5. So we're going to be looking at two chapters. Um, Deborah is, uh, is special, not only because she's a, a woman, the only woman judge in the, in the book of Judges. But also, she is the final judge who is, in a sense, reflecting God's uh, holiness in the sense of we don't see any major sin struggles in her life. We're not told about those struggles. Now, next week, as we go into Gideon, we begin to see God's faithfulness in raising up Imperfect people continues the work, but we begin to see the Canaanite culture seep in into the judges' lives. And so um, this morning as we we look at Deborah, and what I've discovered in this week is that it's not only Deborah, but it's also Barak, who is the military leader in this part of Judges. And so it's really about both Deborah and Barak. Deborah's the judge, Barak's the military leader, but um, God is revealing something very powerful I've been so blessed over the last weeks as I've, I've studied this passage, and there's so much more depth here than my initial reading. I, I, I think we read through Judges, and it, it, these stories seem a little odd, a little crazy, hard to understand, but, but there's some really deep truth that I think God has for us, not only to understand what happened back then many, many, many thousands of years ago, but that God hasn't changed, and that God is doing similar things in us today, and He has truth for us That He's revealed back then that is just as relevant for us today. So we need God's Word. Would you uh, look at Judges uh, chapter 4 with me? We're not going to read the whole chapter 4 together. We are going to read chapter 5 together, but I just want to read the first three verses of chapter 4. And it says again, you're going to see that theme throughout Judges, again, (laughs) again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now that Ehud, remember last week Bill talked about Ehud and the double-edged sword that pierced this uh, king, was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in the Heresheth Hagiam, because he had 900 chariots Fitted with iron, and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for twenty years, and they cried to the Lord for help. We're going to see that theme over and over. They again the Israelites did evil. They cried out to the Lord for help. I want you just to notice something as before we read chapter five. This uh, commander Sisera has nine hundred chariots fitted with iron. Iron chariots. Now remember, this showed up in Judges chapter 1, and the Israelites were unwilling to fight the chariots of iron because the Israelites, remember, had been nomads in the desert, wandering. And, and their technology, their weapons, are Stone Age, Bronze Age. <laughs> the Canaanites have the newest technology, the newest weapons, and these are iron weapons. That's a game changer. And that created a lot of fear for the Israelites, Right? And so here we have a picture of military power, military might. But I think it represents something that shows up throughout the book of Judges that I think is true for each of us. Uh, We don't have iron chariots that we face today, but we all have iron chariots in our lives. Things that are overwhelming, beyond us, more powerful than us. Over the last few weeks, I've been battling iron chariots, it feels like some things in my life. One of them is as a father, as I, I look at my children and I long for them to know Christ, and I think of one of the iron chariots that I've been struggling, battling with, is, is technology and media that's, a, that's vying for the hearts and the attention of my kids. It feels overwhelming. Are there any other parents here who feel overwhelmed <laughs> by technology and media that's bombarding your children? I sure feel that. It's driven me to a place of prayer. And so we have these things. Uh, I think uh, Bill gave a list of idols last week that could be iron chariots for many of us. Things that, that are beyond our control, beyond our power, beyond our understanding that are coming against us. The book of Judges highlights this reality of battle. Now I think The the physical battles that we see in Judges are a a picture of a deeper reality of a spiritual battle. Because what was the the evil that the Israelites fell into again and again? We know that from Judges chapter 1, that it was idolatry, which was, in their context, was specific worship of two gods, Baal and Asherah. Baal and Asherah. So whenever it says that Israelites did evil in the lies of the Lord, that means they were giving themselves, they were worshiping these other gods. They were, they were not worshiping God alone. They were inviting other gods, other spiritual realities, other spiritual forces into their hearts, into their lives. That spiritual battle is alive and well today. The Apostle Paul says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities of this dark world. The Christian life is a life of battle. There's a war raging for our minds and our hearts and our souls. And Judges highlights that. I think the, this evil that the Israelites wrestled with, we wrestle with just as much. You can't read the, judge, the book of Judges and not come away saying, Boy, we are in trouble as a human race. We struggle. We struggle. But God is for us, as we already sang this morning. He's fighting for us. His glory is greater. His power is more than we could ever imagine. And yet, we are faced with these chariots. We're faced with these idols. Now, to understand the story of Deborah, I want to just share something with context. These idols that the Israelites were worshiping, Baal was a masculine god that really was about success, money, um, Uh, The the success of crops, rain, and so people were dependent. This was an agricultural society, and so they were dependent on the success of their crops to do well. And so they worshiped Baal for these things. They said, we'll worship Baal, and he will give us good rain and good crops. What What did Baal require for worship? Child sacrifice. So the Canaanites would give their firstborn to Baal. They would sacrifice their children on the altar of Baal. God said this was an abomination. This is evil, God says. Asherah was the feminine goddess of fertility and and sexual pleasure. And this was really about having children. And the way that they would worship Asherah was through ritualistic prostitution. They'd have temples where this was done out in the open. And God also said this is an abomination. This is evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so what you have is a conflict of idolatry, of, of, of worship, between worship of these false gods and worship of the one true God, Yahweh, who is revealed to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to Moses, and the people of Israel. And God has called the Israelites to be his very own, to be his holy people, chosen people, to be his representatives in the world, to be a light to the nations. So as we go through Judges, this morning as we look at Deborah and Barak, we're going to see An example of a man and a woman who are consecrated to the Lord, who have said yes to God and no to Baal and Asherah. Later, as we go through Judges, we're going to begin to see the judges fail. And the final judge that we're going to look at is Samson. In a lot of ways, Samson is a picture of a, a man who's been conformed to the pattern of the culture and the world around him. Instead of being transformed, he becomes like the Canaanites and he and delilah become these living examples of what baal worship and asherah worship looks like in it and it seeps into their lives but the good news is is god works even through samson right <laughs> and samson becomes a picture of the redemption of god the grace of god the power of god but we're going to see that progression Paul says in Romans 12 that as, as followers of Jesus, as, as people who've been chosen by God, we're, we're not to be conformed to the pattern of this world. We're not to be like the world around us. Rather, we're to be transformed, right? And we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God. We're to live for His glory and His purposes. So I believe that the same idolatry that, that they struggled with in Judges is just as live and well. There is an idolatry and oppression in our culture around issues of gender, issues of sexuality, of men and women in our culture. We see that. We see it vying for the hearts of our kids, vying for the hearts of people's lives as a pastor. I see it seeping and grabbing hold of so many people that God loves, that I love, as we begin to see this battle. But here's the good news. God wants to set us free. He hears our cry. He hears the oppression of this idolatry and the ways of thinking that is so ingrained in our culture that destroys human life. Remember, idolatry always leads to destruction. It always leads to oppression. It always leads to slavery. Jesus came to deliver us. He came to set us free. So every judge ultimately points to Jesus. This morning, Deborah points to Jesus. She reveals something about the nature of God and his heart of deliverance, his heart heart of salvation. So the question for us this morning is, will we be transformed or will we be conformed to the pattern of this world? Let's read Judges chapter 5 together. And then I have a a few points, a few truths for us this morning out of of this story. So I'm going to read this whole thing. Uh, This is a duet. This is a song. Probably Deborah wrote it, but it says that Deborah and Barak sang it together. I tried to get Tom and Hannah to sing this song, (laughs) but this is a hard song to sing. It's a little different than the songs we're used to, but but the people of God are worshiping. We're singing people. The people of God always have been singing people. And so thousands of years ago, Deborah and Barak sang this song to the glory of God. This is what they sang. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves... That's really going to be our main point. Our main focus this morning is about what does it mean to offer ourselves to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hear this, you kings. Listen, you rulers. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will praise the Lord, the God of Israel, in song. When you, Lord, went out from Seir, when you marched from the land of Edom, the earth shook and the heavens poured and the clouds poured down water. Now that's key. Remember that verse. Remember the iron chariots. This is God's deliverance. How does how does water and muddy ground mix with heavy iron chariots? <laughs> right? Okay. The mountains quaked before the Lord and the one of Sinai before the Lord the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned. This is what Israel was like. They were under oppression. No one could go leave their house. No one could travel. No one could go anywhere. Hey, does that sound like the pandemic? <laughs> Can't go anywhere. We're stuck. The Israelites are stuck. Travelers took to winding paths. Villagers of Israel would not fight. There's fear in the land. People are scared to go anywhere. They held back until I, Deborah, arose, until I rose a mother in Israel. How does Deborah characterize herself as a mother? God chose new leaders. And when war came to the city gates, but not a shield or spear was seen, among 40,000 in Israel, my heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. There's a, that willingness, that offering, that yielding. Praise the Lord. You who ride on white donkeys, sitting on your saddle blankets, and you who walk along the roads, consider the voice of the singers at the watering places. They recite the victories of the Lord, the victories of the villagers in Israel. And then the people of the Lord went down to the city gates. Wake up, wake up, Deborah. Wake up, wake up. Break out in song. Arise, Barak. Take captive your captives, son of Abinam. The remnant of the nobles came down. The people of the Lord came down to me against the mighty. Some came from Ephraim, whose roots were in Amalek. Benjamin was with the people who were following you. From Machir, captains came down. From Zebulun, those who bear a commander's staff. The princes of Ishkar were with Deborah. Yes, Ishkar was with Barak, sent under his command into the valley. In the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. Why did you stay among the sheep pens? Not everyone came to fight. Some people weren't willing to hear the whistling of the flocks in the districts of Reuben. There was much searching of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And Dan, why did you linger by the ships? Asher, he remained on the coast and stayed in his coves. The people of Zebulun risked their very lives and so did Naphtali on the terrace Fields. Kings came, they fought. The kings of Canaan fought at Tetarch by the waters of Megiddo. They took no plunder. By the way, that's the Amaged- that's the Amageddon Valley. That's where the final battle will take place between the forces of evil and good. From the heavens, the stars fought. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. The river Kishon swept away the old age river. The river Kishon, march on my soul, be strong. Then thundered the horse's hooves, galloping, galloping, go his mighty steed. Cursed Miraz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse its people bitterly, because they did not come to help the Lord. To help the Lord against the mighty. Not everyone was willing to submit to the Lord. Most blessed of women is Jael, the wife of Haber the Kenite, most blessed, the most blessed of tent dwelling women. He asked for water, and she gave him milk. In a bowl fit for nobles she brought him curdled milk. Her hand reached for the tent peg, her right hand for the workman's hammer. She struck Sisera. Remember who Sisera is? The commander of the Canaanite armies, right? She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. At her feet he sank. He fell, and there he lay. At her feet he sank. He fell, and where he sank, there he fell, dead. And through the window peered Sisera's mother. Behind the lattice, she cried out, Why is this chariot so long in coming? Why is the clatter of his chariots delayed? The wisest of her ladies answered her. Indeed, she kept saying to herself, They are not finding and dwindling the spoils. A woman or two for each man. Colorful garments as plunder for Sisera. Colorful garments embroidered. Highly embroidered garments for my neck. All this plunder. So may all your enemies perish, Lord. But may all who love you. Do you love him today? you love the Lord. Be like the sun as it rises in strength. And then the Lord, and then the land had peace for 40 years. I don't know about you, but knowing that God is mighty, and he can overcome our enemies, gives me hope. It gives me strength today. I pray that you would have that strength. So uh, one of the worship team members asked me if we were going to give out tent pegs today (laughs) as a sermon illustration. We're not going to do that. So I want to share three truths this morning that I think we need to remember because there's lies that are coming against us. And, and I'm, we're going to talk about three truths and three lies. Genesis 1:27 says that God made mankind in His image. Male and female, He made them in His image. Here's the truth. Men and women... You are made in the image of God. That is a profound truth. I pray that you would remember that. That you are made in the image of God. You see, the lie, the lie of Baal and Asherah, the lie of our culture today, is that somehow, as men and women, we have to discover or find our own worth by creating in our own image. Do you hear the difference between the lie and the truth? The truth is we are made in God's image as men and women. The lie is that somehow we have to discover our own worth. That somehow we have to create our own image. Image is a big deal. I think even a bigger deal now with social media and what's on the internet. Image is what we're trying, what we're seeing all around us is being projected, it's being shared, it's been shown to us. So as God's people, the people of Israel, and now in the church, we are God's chosen people to be His representatives in the world. Our worth comes by being designed and made by God. So here's a truth to hold on to. Our physical bodies, as men and women, our physical bodies reflect this invisible this visible reality of an invisible reality of who God is as creator. We are designed by God and we reflect the reality of God in our physical beings as men and women. That is so important. Don't lose that. <laughs> the physicality of what God has created is important. And Jesus revealed that to the maximum that in that he was resurrected in a physical body. We are, we are made physically. We're not Gnostics. We don't deny that there is a spiritual element to who we are, but it's not all of who we are. We're physical and we're spiritual. We're both. And it reflects something about who God is and who he created us to be. So our differences as men and women are to complement each other, and they speak of this ultimate reality of God and his glory. So that's the difference between the lie and the truth. The truth is about God and His glory, who He is, not who we think we are. The lie invites us to try to live for our own glory and put ourselves at the very center of all of reality. It's not true. The truth is God is at the center of it all. And so our worth comes from God. It doesn't come from what we try to do on our own or what we try to project or what we try to do. That's not where our worth comes. Our worth is much deeper, much stronger, much more beautiful, much richer, and that it comes from God and not from ourselves. This is the truth. So as I went through Deborah, I, I thought of many different women who had a big impact on me. I thought of my mom, how she reflected so much of God to me and continues to. I thought of a woman named Dorothy Atwood. I was a boy, a missionary kid growing up, and um, she would write every birthday, she would send me a, a card, and she would pray for me. She said, I pray for you every day. And so she was probably this 60, 70-year-old woman, but for my whole growing up years, she was on her knees interceding for me. I think of Dorothy Atwood. In college years, I think of a woman named Elizabeth Elliott, uh, who had a huge impact on me, both in her writing, but I remember she, she spoke at our college several times, And this is something that Elizabeth Elliott said. She said, The fact that I'm a woman does not make me a different kind of Christian. But the fact that I'm a Christian makes me a different kind of woman. That's profound. She understood the truth that her worth and who she is is found in God and not in herself. You see, God raised up Deborah for such a time as this. And God raises up women for such a time as this. But here's what, I, what really struck me in Judges. God raised up Deborah, but she couldn't do it alone. And if we look at all the men in Scripture, they couldn't do it alone. God had a purpose in creating us men and women reflecting the image of God. Deborah needed Barak, and Barak needed Deborah. Now, remember, they're not married, okay? These are, uh, Deborah has her own husband, and Barak has his own wife. But God used them uniquely as men and women to reflect something about who he is and what he is doing in the world. But both of them, if you go back to chapter uh, 4, both of them revealed a humility and acceptance of their worth from God, and they saw the benefits of what God could do through each of them. In verse 6 of chapter 4, Deborah realized that God was calling Barak to be the warrior. He was calling Barak to raise up the 10,000 men that he could lead. And so the word was that God revealed to Deborah that Barak needed to take the men and go fight against Sisera. But something interesting happened in verse 8 and 9. Barak says to Deborah, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go, I won't go. So the first time I read that, I thought, what's wrong with Brock? <laughs> Is this guy just weak? Is he afraid? I came to a very different conclusion after spending time in this passage. I began to see that Brock reflected true manhood, just as De- Deborah reveals true womanhood. I don't think that De- Brock was weak. I, thought, I think he was humble, and he was full of faith, and he knew he needed God's help, and he needed Deborah he knew that God was going to do something greater than himself. See, it wasn't about him. It was about God's glory. In fact, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, Barak is listed as the great, in the great hall of faith. Barak is a man of faith. He trusts God. What's even interesting is, if you keep reading there, Deborah says, you're not going to get the honor, Barak. In fact, this defeat of the evil is going to come through the hand of a woman. And it wasn't Deborah's hand. (laughs) God had a whole other woman. It wasn't even Deborah. It wasn't Deborah or Barak. Neither of them get the glory. Another woman named Jeal gets it. I think of other men in the Bible who reflect true manhood like Barak does. Men like Joseph, who was called to marry Mary and raise this son that he did not conceive. And yet he was was a righteous man, full of integrity, and did what was best for Mary, and he obeyed God, even though it was scary and it was hard, just like for Brock, yet Joseph followed him. I think of John the Baptist who said, I must decrease, but God must increase. The second truth, our identity comes from God. The lie is that somehow we have to discover or create our own identity, This is so embedded in our culture, so embedded in the thinking of our day that we we don't even realize that we just fall into it, that somehow we have to to find ourselves. And that's so wrong. That's a lie from the pit of hell. We cannot find ourselves. Our identity is given to us from God. We're given an identity. And we see that in Brock and in Deborah. We see them in confidence and boldness and courage, and sacrifice, and love, and care, and the fact that they were given identities from God. They didn't struggle with who they were. They understood who they were, and that's why they were able to be humble. That's why they were able to step back and say, I don't need the honor. Rather, they could sing praise God, (laughs) because they could see unselfishly that they weren't at the center of the story, that God was working they weren't afraid to be seen as men and as women. It's interesting to me that Deborah doesn't try to be a man. She accepts that she's a woman. She says in fact I'm like a mother in Israel. She identifies as a wife and even deeper she understands physically that she's called to be a woman. Now that seems simple but in our day and age that's radical. (laughs) In our culture it's radical to say I'm a man or I'm a woman. They rested in that identity. You see, the lie is the lie is that if we follow God in his way, that somehow we will lose something. We will lose out on something. That God is keeping something good from us. That's what that's what God told Adam, or that's what the serpent told Adam and Eve at the garden, that if you take this fruit, you're gonna have something that God's keeping from you. See, that's the lie of Satan. He says, says if if you if you don't, if you follow God, you're gonna miss out. That somehow we'll gain something by following the culture's ways of thinking. Elizabeth Elliot's husband, Jim Elliot, said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. That's profound. You see, much of our idolatry comes from discontentedness, envy, covetousness. We think someone else has it better. We think if only it was different If only we had different circumstances, or if we had different bodies, or if we had something that we don't have, then we would be happy. That is a lie from Satan. This is what Jesus said. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, Jesus recognized we have desires. We have things that stir in us. And he says, I am the bread of life. Come to me. Find your identity in me, his body, his life. But I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. And all those the Father gives me will come to me. Remember, our identity is given. It's given to us. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? It's not about us. There is a greater glory that God has. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those who have given to me. Rather, raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and he will raise them up on the last day. And so Jesus is saying, if you trust me in this, if you receive your identity from me, if you receive your life, and you know that all your desires, all your hungers and thirsts can be satisfied in me, I will I will treat you well. I will raise you up. I will give you life beyond what you could ever imagine. You see it's like Deborah and Barak as they fixed their eyes on God. And they trusted him. They obeyed him. They weren't looking out for their own honor. They weren't cr- trying to create their own image. They trusted God. They relied on God and they understood that it was about God's will and his glory. And this is my final point here this morning. The truth is deliverance, real deliverance, real life comes in surrender to God. It comes in surrender to God. You see, the lie is that we can do whatever we think is good, whatever we think is right. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, remember? That's what leads to death. When we say, I know what's right, I know what's good. When we do it, what we think is good in our own eyes, we try to become our own little gods and goddesses right like little bales and little ashras just trying to satisfy our pleasures trying to satisfy our desires trying to find happiness and all these other things but the truth is that real salvation comes when we surrender to god none of us can defeat the iron chariots in our lives without god we were made in his image according to his identity and his purposes, and we're dependent on him. And it's in humility when we yield to his will that we can fulfill our purpose and our design. And so Deborah and Barack in their generation, rose up as a woman, as a man, fully surrendered to God. They weren't looking out for their own honor, their own glory. And I think of another woman in the New Testament who's kind of like the New Testament Deborah. Her name is Mary. If Joseph was a man who truly reflected manhood, in a sense, Mary does as she hears the news that she's going to become pregnant, a mother of the Son of God, what does she say? I am the Lord's servant. She surrendered. She didn't fight for her rights or what she thought would be good for her. She said, God, I want your way. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. See, here's Here's the kicker in the story of Deborah and Brock. <laughs> they, they have this amazing victory. But when they sing, what do they sing? Praise the Lord. Because you know what? Neither of them had the final. Uh, they didn't do it in their own strength. God sent the storm that, that destroyed the chariots. And then God raised up Jael, a woman who wasn't even a Jew. It wasn't e- she wasn't even on their radar. And God had this plan and brought Sisera to her tent and Jael took him out. I think this is where we get the term splitting headache, right? <laughs> like she took him out. <laughs> so Jael becomes a picture of God's judgment. You see, the Canaanites did what was right in their own eyes. They rejected God. They, they opened their hearts to idolatry. And there's a judgment with that. There is a judgment. And there is a judgment for this world This is what the Bible refers to as the day of the Lord. There's a day when we will stand before the throne of God, and we will all have to give an account. We will stand before his throne. You see, God will bring judgment, but he will bring deliverance. And this is the good news, that even though we're in that spiritual battle, our end doesn't have to be Sisera's. Our end doesn't have to be destruction. Our end doesn't have to be destruction. Rather, it can be life. And that's why Jesus came to bring us life. And so I want to end with this prayer. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Here's the issue for us in our day. As we're dealing with the idolatry of men and women, gender, sexuality, all the all the issues, the media, the technology, the all the idols, all the things that are vying for our hearts, our attentions. Here's the prayer. It's a battle prayer. Will we trust God? Will we surrender? Will we yield to his will, not our own? This is what Jesus said. He taught us to pray this. Close your eyes. Can you say this prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Oh God, we give you praise. Because your power is greater than any power that this world has. You can defeat 900 iron chariots. You can defeat the lies of Satan that are coming against our children. That's coming against us. And God, as you taught us to pray, Lord, you're going to give us victory over evil. We look to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: All to Jesus, I surrender
0: all to Him. I Let's stand and sing this as a prayer.